This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. Where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour. The mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Hi, good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I am doing just great, Mark. Just fabulous. Me too. I am very good. Very good. I got my school is on a roll this july so everything's looking good get a license give me a call and we're excited <laughs> to be here every saturday at one o'clock you know talk radio 1210 wpht you want to ask us a question give us a call my number is 267-266-5501 and thanks for a bunch of people that called me at their saturday show they love the show they tune in every week what's your number dan thank you mark um my number is 609-605-7153 we're here to keep you informed every week because we are the only real estate show talking about the only business that is booming. And the media won't talk about it because it's good news. If it bleeds, it leads. If we're in bad shape, they talk about us, but they're not talking about us. <laughs> and I don't care. Oh, my God. Here we go. I can feel a what? rant. I feel a rant coming on. Oh, yeah. I am in the ranting mood. And you can listen to this show on past shows at our webpage, goodnewsandrealestate.com. So what's coming up today? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have business. T- we have our market report. Yes. We also have our business tips with asking Doctor A. We have continuing series. Yes. Mark's funny story. Got one for you. We have our mortgage mom topic, which is what? Which is the advantages of purchasing a duplex. Oh, that's a good topic. You're gonna love it, All Mark. Right. Today we also um, are honored to once again have our most popular guest, Melanie Banks and Ken Murawski from Century 21 Veterans and Waterside, Waterbridge. They're going to kill me. We might have to change that. Anyway, we also have our questions. Can I get an investment mortgage to buy a rental under 50000 The next question is, what is, going, what is the going rate on a commercial loan? The next question is, I want to purchase a foreclosure, but it needs work, and it's a great deal. Never heard that before. My realtor told me that given the repairs that need to be made to this house, it would not pass an FHA inspection. I don't want to give up on this house. Are there any other options? 
The next yes. question is, I have been listed with an agent for a while. I've decided to rent the property instead. How should I proceed? All good ones. All good ones. And Mark, our topic of the day is legal descriptions of real estate. We're going back 13 years to the beginning. Oh, gosh. All right. But first, (laughs) give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, I think a lot of people dream. And while they are busy dreaming, the real happy people, the real successful people, the people that are really interesting, powerful, engaged people are busy doing. So you got to stop dreaming and do it. (laughs) Correct. Amundo. Oh, my God. So where are we at? Well, it depends. Where are you at or where am I at? But we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. So we have some gains finally in some inventory. The largest annual gain in June. The meat with, you know, all time high for a while. Uh, the number of active listings rose 18.7% year over year in June, according to Realtor.com, a uh, monthly trending report. The increase represents the fastest yearly pace ever recorded. Really? Yeah. Really? I'm like a little leery of this uh, whole article. I, I, Despite the increase, uh, the number of active listings remain 53.2% below its level of June of 2019. So you got to like think about that whole little thing. So it was a big jump in one month, but we're still 53.2% lower than we were a year ago. I didn't look at uh, Bright today to see how many, but you know, a big increase could have be 100 houses in Philly. Down, we're up from 3,900 to 4,000, <laughs> you know. Active inventory increased year over year in 40 of the 50 largest metro areas. Austin, Texas had one of the largest increases. The number of new listings soared at an annual rate of 4.5%. Soared at 4 or 5.5%. You know. I don't know. This inventory is such an issue. Our June data shows the inventory recovery accelerate, posting a second straight month of acting listing gross in nearly three weeks. So this is national. So we expect these improvements to continue. And, they're you know, I think there is going to be more listings. It's the sellers are finally starting to wake up. Experts attribute the jump to the number of listings to new sellers entering the market at a higher rate than 2017-2019 prior to the pandemic. Thank you. Or pan pan no. scamble. Oh. <laughs> scamble. Scam. Pan scam. That's what we should just call it. In the addition, record high asking prices and higher interest rates are driving many buyers out of the market, which con- contributed to pending home sales declining 16.3% year over year. Now, our market's not in that bad of shape. Uh, Philly Metro. Nationwide, the median listing price hit an all-time high of 450000 up 16.9% from a year ago, and 38.5% since June of 2019. That's a very small increase, actually, you know. It is but a small the increase. the price of the houses, I mean, 13 years ago, we were in 200s. Now we're in 450. So... The market is basically booming. It's just the lack of inventory. More houses will be sold in 22 than were sold in 21. 
And the only thing that I'm worried about is this inflation, you know, and uh, this White House policy. All right, I'm going to cut the heard I'm, the White I'm going to cut the, the White House. Say, you, got, you know, people need to know this. The White House actually came out and said this week that due to our liberal global policies, things like gas and prices are going to stay high. Now, I didn't vote for that. <laughs> all right. All right, so with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, all positive, all the time. So we're at the end. So Mark, we are up to your funny story. And I am calmed down now, so I'll give you the story. Okay. So this one's called Having a Bad Day at the New House. So this couple moves into this uh, new house, right? And they're all happy. And the man's working on his motorcycle out on the patio, and his wife's in the house in the kitchen. The man's racing the engine on a motorcycle. Somehow, the motorcycle slips into gear. The man's still holding on to the handlebars. He gets dragged through the patio glass door, dumped onto the floor inside the house. The wife hears the crash, runs into the dining room, finds the husband lying on the floor, all cut up and bleeding. The motorcycle's laying next to him on the patio door, all shattered. The wife ran to a phone, called the ambulance. Ambulance comes, and they lived on like a real high house, like the house is in uh, Mattyunk or something, right? So the ambulance guys come, and they have to run up a f- couple flights of stairs to get to home. After the ambulance arrived, they transport the husband to the hospital. The wife operates the motorcycle and pushed it outside. Seeing all this gas spilled all over the floor, the wife obtains a whole mess of paper towels, blots up all the gasoline, and throws these paper towels in the toilet. So the husband's treated at the hospital, comes back when he's released, comes home. We have to arrive home. He looks at the door, his damaged motorcycle. He's all despondent, goes in the bathroom, sits down on the toilet, and smokes a cigarette. After he gets done smoking, he flips the cigarette between his legs into the toilet bowl, and bang! <laughs> the wife was in the kitchen, hears a loud explosion, she runs in, the husband screaming. She goes in the bathroom, finds him laying on the floor. His trousers have been blown away. He's suffering burns on his buttocks. His back of his legs is growing. The wife runs to the phone, calls the ambulance again. As the ambulance crew comes, they run up the stairs, all the street from the all the street stairs from the street. Paramedics are lowering the husband onto the stretcher and they're carrying him down. While they're going down the stairs to the street, accompanied by the wife, one of the paramedics asked the wife how the husband burned himself. She told him that the param told him the story. The paramedics all started laughing so hard they dropped the husband, fell down the room, his remaining steps, and broke his ankle. So how's your day going? <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) If you have a funny story, send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501. Please send me one. I'm up to 918. I need a few. So now it's time for the Mortgage Mom segment, and her topic is the advantage of buying a duplex. All right. So, Mark, this is one of my favorite topics um, about buying a duplex. So whether you're buying your first home or... You want to get a home to get your parents closer to you. You may just want to consider buying a duplex. This may sound crazy, but there's several advantages to buying a duplex. You know, 
including being able to live in one side and rent the other side out. You could buy a home with a friend or or actually buying a home that allows you to be in one side and having, like we mentioned, your parents on the other side. This is a topic that we talk about all the time, and it's something for a first-time home buyer that I just love, the idea of a first-time home buyer, you know, maybe a boyfriend and girlfriend, or they just recently got married, no kids, no pets yet, being able to move into one of the units and rent out the other unit and basically have a discounted mortgage payment. So a duplex is a multifamily home that's divided into two separate units that both have their own entrance. They're both um, separate meters. And it's two single family homes that are either side by side and share a wall, or they could be on different floors. Correct. Like triplexes, um, that poses three different units and fourplex have five different units. So duplex are confined to a single family lot and considered to be a single uh, property in spite of being occupied by two different families. Now, once you get past four units, it now becomes a commercial loan. So your duplexes typically have two characteristics that can be used to identify them with the real estate market. And the units are attached and they must have separate entrances. As multifamily housing, duplexes are made up of two separate living spaces with the same building. However, the two units are attached to each other in one of two ways. Since duplexes contain two completely and distinct living spaces that are occupied by separate residents, they also have separate addresses and residences. And of course, those separate entrances allow the residents to enjoy their privacy despite being in close proximity of their neighbors. So how a duplex property can be the perfect home for you. So with two separate households, here's how you could make the duplex work for you. As a first-time home buyer, you can benefit from living in one half of the duplex as the owner-occupant and renting out the other half to enjoy an income stream that you could use to help pay for your mortgage. So if you decide that this is a good option for you, you need to be prepared to become a landlord and take on those actual responsibilities. You will also be a landlord to your neighbor, so you need to consider that. But in the long run, if you're wanting to start your residential investment portfolio, a duplex is a perfect way because you can live in the home for a few years and then move on to your next unit or your next home rather. And that's a pretty cool idea. The other thing that you can consider is that you only need three and a half percent down. So you could go in with an FHA loan, three and a half percent on a duplex, stay in it for a year or two, and then transition into your next um, property that you're going to live in. And you could probably do this in this market, live for free and even make a few hundred bucks your first Yeah, exactly. Especially, and that's a great point, Mark, because- I tell all the students this all the time. When you buy the duplex, let's just say we're going to close your loan, you know, August 5th. You have no mortgage payment August 5th. You have no mortgage payment in September. Your first mortgage payment is going to be October 1st. So you have two complete months that you're going to actually be generating income to make those mortgage payments offset even more. 
if you bought one in my neighborhood for like 260 270 a two by two you're gonna get now probably close to 1800 a month i'm sure it's going to pay your mortgage and you're going to make about three, four hundred. Yeah. Bucks. And, and with the increase in the housing prices, buying a duplex, it could be the perfect property to buy with a friend or even a family member. I mean, think about it. You're able to combine your down payment, allowing you to put more money down and you'll be able to split the monthly payments and live side by side with a friend and still have some separation. So if I was a guy, I would buy one and I rented one next door to two or three girls. Of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say your girlfriend and that way you could just, you know, separate whenever you wanted to. <laughs> and I wouldn't even complain if they brought in a fourth friend. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, there's a lot of great loan programs available. You have your FHA. See, there's so many advantages in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my husband. He always justifies whenever you know, there's other women coming involved. He always has a way of justifying. It's hysterical. <laughs> so speaking of justifying, you have your 30-year fixed at 5.5% on a conventional loan. Your 15-year is going to be 4.875. Right now, your 5-1 arm is at 4.5%, and that's paying one point. I went down it did go down, down, Mark, and I think it's advantageous for people to take advantage of the arms, which are the adjustable rate mortgages, because right now it's definitely a win-win. Your 30-year FHA is 5.5% and your 30-year VA is the same. So it's still a great time to purchase. It's still a great yeah, time rates. to refinance. The market is booming. Make sure you go to my website at mortgagemom.net. Check out the rates, check out the blogs. There's a lot of information in there that's going to be beneficial for you. Yeah, all the millennials and the Gen Xers should do a little research on the, the early 80s on what the rates were like back then compared yep, to that. Agreed. All right. So we got a couple questions we got to get through. So the first one is, can I get an investment mortgage to buy a rental under $50,000? Um, that's probably going to be something you're going to be able to do with a home equity line of credit. But going to a lender these days getting an investment property and putting 15 to 20% down, most of the mortgage companies are not going to entertain that at this time. Yeah, most of them won't even give you a residential loan for under like 60000 Correct, 000, yeah. Right? It's, it's coming up to be about Which 70. I don't understand that. Because the, the rates are a little, lot higher right now, so it becomes a high-cost loan. All right. All right, the next question is, I want to purchase a foreclosure, but it needs work. And it's a great deal. My realtor told me that given the repairs we need to be that need to be made on the house, it would not pass an FHA inspection. I don't want to give up on the house. Is there any options that we can do? Yeah, well, I mean, you could do a that four hundred one k. It's called a two hundred three k. The two hundred three k program that you could do all the repairs right. in advance. Well, and then that, that, that program would work. For it's that. not going to be done in advance. It would be done after settlement. Um, but it would get you to the table with a 203K. Right. I was thinking of Curbio, which is a great That's program. another great program. All right. Question number four. I've been listed with an agent for a while. I decided to rent the property instead. How should I proceed? You just call up the listing agent. Tell them that you changed your mind and you want out. And if they give you a hard time, 
talk, call, say, I want to talk to your broker. I mean, if you some crazy old broker tries to keep you in a contract that you don't want to be in anymore, that's not the kind of people you want to do business with. So if they you decide all of a sudden the way the rental market is, it could. I had one of these not too long ago. Somebody asked me some advice on this, and because all of a sudden she could get like three grand a month in rent, why right. sell? And she changed her mind. They let her out of the listing, and she was good to go. No, you're right. You just have to communicate and get everything in writing. Right. Exactly. All right. Very good. All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All right. Welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. So now we're back on track. So where are we at, Deanne? Are we? Are we back on track, Mark? Yes, we are. You know why we are back on track? Because, because I, I am, am very organized. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> I am very excited to have Melanie Banks and Ken Murawski from Century 21 Veterans and Wooders Edge on my side today. That's right, so, man. <laughs> How you guys so doing? Welcome. Good. Good, How good. You, Ken, Melanie. See you guys. Good. Yeah, always good to be here. Good. So, uh, Tell us what you want to talk about. I know, like, you're, I'm really proud of you guys. I know you're a long time, and now you're expanded into two state. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I remember well, I years and years ago when people talked about the expansion and, like, hardly anybody did it, but you just did it. It's great. Yeah, it's funny. I think from, from our perspective, um, I, I think you hit on it earlier. There's a lot of people sitting around thinking and dreaming, and then there's just people out there doing. And, that's uh, right. And that's, you know, the, I mean, I, that's I, the 20%. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I owe our success to Melanie. She's the one that conceptualized all this stuff, and you know, here we are. So, well, thank right. you. I will take credit. <laughs> credit, absolutely. All right, tell us uh, how do you want to start this. So, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, you have a school, so you teach new agents, and we just had the the contracts. Eleven of them changed with our state. And one of the things we're finding is that agents and in particular sellers and buyers, if they don't interview the agent and make sure that agent is fluent in the contracts, it really can cause an issue for the sellers and the buyers because they're making these arrangements with other agents and saying, yeah, the seller will do this or the seller will do that. And it's, it's contractually binding to the seller and the buyer. So I think there's some, some issues about when you're interviewing, you know, how do you ask that question? You know, how, how experienced are you at these contracts? Because I don't think it's a, a new agent or an experienced agent. I think it's a knowledgeable agent. Right. And and the weirdest thing in our business, we're always talking about the largest purchase or sale in somebody's life. And statistically now, they buyers hire the first agent they meet with a pulse and sellers are down to two. So yeah, it's, it's, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's there's a couple changes with the new contract. I think that honestly, both the buyer and seller need to be aware of because if their agent messes it up, they're, you know, they're going to mess up the whole deal for both sides and they could be putting one person in default and not even paying attention that they put them in default. What's the the most dramatic change? Um, 
it's not so much a change as wording is I think they're letting the sellers know that cash doesn't mean cash anymore. So when you're waiving your mortgage contingency, you know, because people have money these days and they're saying, well, I have cash, it's in the bank, but I may not want to use it because I want to call Deanne and get a mortgage because I don't want to put all my cash out there. Right. Um, so they're waiving mortgages and then the listing agents are saying, oh, that's great. We have cash. And then they're denying appraisers being able to go in properties. And that's just not even the case. The agreement specifically states that you as a buyer may waive the, the contingency, but that doesn't mean you can't get a mortgage and the seller has to abide by that whole paragraph. So the agents are really having to read the paragraphs because if if you think it's cash and you're telling your seller it's cash and the seller just thinks I don't have to let an appraiser in, I don't have to let an, an insurance person in, it's really not, you know, you're going to put the seller in a bad position because the contract, if they haven't read it, states that the seller has to do that, even though the paragraph is waived that says I'm using cash. Right. Melanie, do you think that that came into play with, you know, uh, some of the changes that are taking place with you know, all these programs that are out there, like the cash offer program and buy your house. And do you think that's the reason? I'm not sure. I mean, I think a lot of it is just to let the sellers know that the buyer has options. And I think before they just, the sellers didn't think that they had an option. They, they thought, well, we're waiving this, you know, and now we have this great cash offer. And, you know, let's just say it's 500,000. I think that the sellers were always under the assumption and the agents would tell them it's cash. So they think, you know, 500 grand is showing up in bags. Right. And, and that's not the case because you can come in and say, why use your 500? Let's use 450 and or let's use 50 of it and I'll mortgage you 450. And that's fine because that's the buyer's rate. But I think without the listing agents being knowledgeable on the contracts, they're explaining it incorrectly to sellers. Well, the biggest thing you run into is the market drives a lot of this stuff. So what used to be uh, ridiculous is standard today. Um, people waiving inspections and, and guys coming in cash, buyers coming in cash. All those things are things now that are not necessarily good, bad, or indifferent, but they do need to be explained. Um, you know, when you say you're not getting a mortgage, you literally the next line in that is buyer has the right to get a mortgage. Right. And if the buyer exercises that right, and the buyer gets the rest of the story. It's just like saying that, you know, we're going to waive inspections. And then, you know, a week down the line, you let somebody walk in there and do an inspection. You just opened yourself up for that whole paragraph. So as an agent, you really got to be sharp. But, you know, as, as a client, you got to understand what your agent's committing you to or, or keeping you from getting. Yeah, you, you know, a lot of agents, I think there's agents – all the agents I've hired since 2002 and all the offices, you know, I used to make sure that that agreement of sale, that wasn't like a, some hour class. I used to do it in a, like a two day class because it's complicated agreement. And I would run into agents. I, I know for sure they never, ever read that whole thing because they did the same thing every month. They, they showed a house, they wrote the same deal over and over again. And then, I'd have an agent come to me and ask me about mediation. I said, did you ever read the whole thing? Uh, no. I mean, like, you should have read at least once. <laughs> well, a lot of things How were in there. I mean, we learned the hard way um, uh, years ago. 
you know, where it says that the seller gets to hold the money up for 180 days, if not otherwise checked. So that turned into us making it 60 days standard in our templates and our contracts. Why? Because there's going to be issues and things are going to happen. And when you have them, we want to negotiate them, we want to have time to negotiate them. What we don't want is, you know, this six month period where, you know, who knows what can happen. So. Yeah, and agents should be educated. I tell the students in every class, when you write a contract, any kind of contract, I said, you write even an addendum, you write everything as if you're standing in front of your honor, because (laughs) one day you might have to explain this and (laughs) keep that in the back of your mind. It's funny you should use that term because that's exactly the term I use. What are we going to do when we get in front of the judge? Right. And, Uh, and, and, on your folder on this client the day you met them the day you uh did a buyer needs analysis the day you showed them a house the day everything i said because court usually comes up a year or so later and whoever's most prepared wins so but like do everything like you're standing in front of your honor and then you'll make sure that you check off every box and you let me ask you a question how can you explain a contract to your buyer or your seller, if you've never read it, are you just making stuff <laughs> yeah. up along as you go? Yeah, I, you think, I think they're paraphrasing everything. Honestly, I think the agent kind of reads through maybe the topic and says, okay, this is what I think it is. You know, we, we had some, some all, I mean, this was so silly, but somebody took a Nest thermostat and the agreement of sale very clearly states that it stays with the property. Right. And the the agent was very experienced as the listing agent, and she turned around to the buyer's agent and says, "Oh, sorry, they took it. It is what it is." And that <laughs> buyer, as you know what I mean, as, and as as silly as it is, the buyer's out a couple hundred dollars for that Nest thermostat that should have stayed in the house. And right. to have right. an agent turn around and say it is what it is doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me because they cost that buyer and that buyer's agent money. Right. So. And, yeah. and you know what, with Legal Shield, right, when, when we tell people about Legal Shield, you know, one of the things, the first thing that we say is, if you don't know your rights, you don't have any. Correct. So if you don't yeah, know your rights in the contract, you don't have any. That's right. The nest stays. Yeah, and it's, it's a big deal. So I really think they need to interview the agents a little bit better. And it's not just like if I if I had a slip and fall at a store, I wouldn't hire my neighbor who happened to be just an attorney. Right. I would go to the person who specialized in that particular type of thing. And I feel right. like they're just like, ah, my neighbor's a, an agent, so I'm just going to go with them. Exactly. May, may not be the best person. Well, I think you guys are two of the best agents. Oh, Tell everyone you. how yeah, they no can get a hold it. of you. So you can get a hold of us locally in Pennsylvania at 267-352-8000. And that's at Century 21 Veterans. We are also the proud owners of Century 21 Waters Edge, which is in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, And you can get a hold of us there at 561-758-8855. Very good. Definitely reach out. Thank you, you guys. And with with Melody and Ken, you know you're going to get good agents that are trained correctly and understand the damn contract. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, yeah, awesome. Right. Nobody wants to get in front of the judge. No. All right, coming up exactly. next is our topic of the day, legal descriptions of real estate. All right, very good. Thanks, Ken and Melanie. 
good segment. See you guys. So we, all right. Talk soon. All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHC, all positive, all the time. So we have Deanne. So, Mark, we are up to our topic of the day, which is legal descriptions of real estate. Yeah, now we're going to go back old school, and we're actually going to talk about this because this comes up when you go to get your license, and a lot of people don't understand how what the actual legal description of real estate is. When you're buying or selling a property, the size and the exact boundaries in a property are important determinants to its price. While the address may provide a location, it says nothing about the size of the boundaries of the property. The deed and the sales contract require a legal description, which is legally sufficient to identify that property and its boundaries that would allow a surveyor to locate the property and its boundaries with precision. There are three independent methods that can be used to uh, the exact location and boundaries of the parcel land. Meets and bounds, rectangular survey, and lot and block. Meets and bounds is a description uses length and angles of the boundaries starting at a POB, a point of beginning. Starts at the POB. The length of each boundary is described and the angle that it is formed with their previous boundary. This continues to the point of N, the POE. So you're connecting the dots all the way around the property basically, right. which is identical to point of beginning since all properties have closed boundaries. Of course, for meets and bounds description to be legally sufficient, the location of the POMB must be specified and is usually specified by a monument or known as a landmark, which can be a large object or other stable structure, including it could be a tree, rocks, streams, railroads, whatever, intersections that are recorded by the surveyor to locate the property. Nowadays, many monuments are iron pins or concrete posts installed by a surveyor or the U.S. Corps of Engineers. The actual placement of these monuments is more important than the length and the angles specified in the legal description since the property boundaries must form a closed area, point of beginning, point of end. The rectangular survey system, a.k.a. government survey system, was specified by Congress back in 1785 to mark large tracts of land. That's why a lot of the states in the Midwest are very square, rectangular, because <laughs> it was it was a lot simpler than the way the states were created in the, in the eastern older cities. So like the Northwest Territory and all that stuff when they were out doing that. The rectangular survey system specified locations by using rectangular coordinate system, hence the name that consists of principal meridians that run north and south, indicate long longitude, baselines run east and west, which is latitude. Principal and medians are the baselines, which are partitions, and that breaks the land into quadrant angles, <laughs> which are squares oh of lands, which are measuring. This is interesting. This is actually in the law, though, which are measuring 24 miles. 
these quadrangles are further subdivided into 16 townships with each side of a township measuring six miles covering an area of 36 square miles townships are further subdivided into 36 one square mile sections which each section equals 640 acres in many states the rectangular survey system is supplemented with a meet and bounds description to describe small parcels of lands i remember all that from uh, real estate school in the very yeah. beginning yeah the other system of legal description is called lot and block system uh, and that's also known as recorded plot system which refers to a specific parcel of land by their lot number, like Philly has that in, in neighborhoods. A lot, letter, and block. A subdivision block, like you live in a subdivision, which the lot is located. The block itself is located by using either a meets and bounds system or a rectangular survey system to identify a particular parcel of land. And the block, lot and block system specifies the lot and block number, name, or number of the subdivision plot. Like one of my neighbors up the street had a problem because there was a driveway running into an apartment building and he wasn't exactly sure and had the city come out and use these systems and stake out his property so he knew where he could put his fence. So it is important and sometimes people aren't sure where their property line ends. They go by, you know, where the neighbor cut the grass to. Right. And that's but actually they might, be a, they might be another six feet over or maybe a few yards over and just because that person's been using it that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that's their property but that's the legal description so you know and once in a while you'll run into a problem i had a house one time and these people thought that their land went like another 30 40 feet and it turned out when we had the township come out it did and they just the neighbors just took for granted they owned that and they didn't so remember that story when uh, they bought it, they put a pool in and the pool was on oh, half yeah, their that neighbor's was, yard. That was the worst one I ever heard. Yeah, that was over <laughs> in the half of the pool and the fancy pool house right. was on somebody else's property. And they had to like rip the whole pool out and yeah, everything. That's crazy. Yeah. I know. What did they end up doing? They ended up selling it to them for. I don't remember. I, I think they subdivided. They sold them a piece of their property for a real high number because they already built the pool and they put the fancy pool house on that end. Right. <laughs> Crazy. People can make some mistakes, man. <laughs> All right. Well, that was informative, Mark. And coming up next is our business segment with Asking Dr. A. And it's rules to flourish as a high bred work team. Correct. Hi, Dr. Ibsen. How are you? I'm doing terrific. How are you guys? Very good. We're this doing has been great. a great series, this whole thing that we've been working on with the team. So what's the nice. last part? For sure. What's part number eight? Well, what I want to do is I just want to briefly remind people what the other seven are, and then we'll spend a couple minutes on number eight. Okay. Number one, you need to make sure that you're communicating more than you ever have before because you don't see people. So you got to communicate with them. You need to promote openness so that people are willing to share ideas and feel engaged a lot of the big problem anymore is they just don't feel engaged because they're not there physically. You need to build trust. Number four, you need to demonstrate respect for everyone. And you need to demand accountability. So you can't let people just act as if they're getting worked on. You have to have ways of measuring that and hold them accountable to it. Number six, you need to build an achievement culture so people are working towards achievement and it's part of the culture. 
And number seven is you need to realize cohesiveness can be destructive, but it can also be destructive if that's all you're worried about. Okay. And the last one, which is just as important as all the other ones, and that's make sure there is a fit between the person and the job because jobs change and people forget that. And somebody could be in a job for a year, two years, three years, four years, and their job has totally changed, but they haven't changed. So they're not a good fit anymore for that particular job. So you need to be assessing whether they're a good fit for that job because they feel it at the same time as you feel it, right? And we're seeing a tremendous amount of turnover. And part of the turnover is because people don't feel engaged. They don't feel like they're doing the right stuff anymore. And they don't feel there's a good fit. And there's a respect for them, not just as a person, but as a staff person who has quality ideas and delivers quality product. Yeah, like say somebody was on a disk, a perfect administrative assistant type thing, and now over time the job is turned, and now it has a little more, more marketing into right. it, that person might not feel comfortable. Right, that's right. And there's all these kinds of assumptions, so you need to go back and check those assumptions to make sure, number one, they understand what their job is, and number two, it's a good fit. And number three, if it's not a good fit, see if you can reallocate responsibilities or tasks across people so that you can make it a good fit without losing the staff person. We're having a tremendous amount of turnover right now because there's so many opportunities in the environment. So you need to do what you can do to, 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 to have them stay, not just have them stay, but if you, if they're, they fit well with the, what the job is, you're going to get more from them and they're going to feel more satisfied because they experience how everybody is feeling about their contribution, which is really important. I've been getting a lot of people in the medical profession calling me up about getting real estate licenses because of all the stress they went through with COVID and everything else. They just went out of that industry. Well, that's happening in the educational field, especially with all these teachers that are having all kinds of problems uh, because of the lack of respect for who they are and, and what their pay is like. So it's just happening a lot of different industries, healthcare, education, you name it, basically. So that's why these eight elements are really, really crucial to do them. And it's not just common sense. Yes, they're common sense, but you have to deliver on it. Or what you're going to find out is your better people are going to be leaving and going elsewhere. And what you're going to have are those people who can't get jobs elsewhere. And you're just going to have a mediocre, mediocre workforce. And then you got to start all over too. That's if you're, if you're lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. So tell me how to get a hold of you, Dr. Ray. It's real easy. Just go to Abelson, A B E L S O N.net or succeed at abelson.net awesome thank you dr a that that was a great series i've been telling people about that series yeah thanks very informative see you soon see you soon all right doctor if you have any questions you can email them to 8029 at comcast.net or give mark a call directly at 267-266-5501 you can also email me at deanne katsaris at comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. Very good. And a special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every Saturday. A bunch of you has called me after Saturday's show. I appreciate it. I always answer my phone. And for keeping us on the air, our sponsors here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We hope you tune in every week. You can listen to this show and past shows at our website and WPHT's website. So with that, have a great week. 
I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All, all positive, positive all, all the time. time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.